Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. I am Pastor Wright, and today we get to look at the gospel reading for the eighth Sunday after Pentecost. And it comes to us from St. Luke chapter 12, 13 through 21. And this is really interesting because we have Jesus once again coming as the gift of life. And what I find interesting on the beginning of all of this is that we have the Old Testament, all of the Old Testament, all the way from Genesis 3.15 has been looking forward to the Messiah, the one that would come and make everything right, the one who would fix everything, restore, bring back the true relationship between man and God. And then Jesus shows up. And we hear St. John in the Gospel of St. John simply saying he came to his own and his own did not receive him. And this is always fascinating because I, I, I boast that if Jesus showed up, of course I would follow him. Unquestionably, I would be there. I would be the one to uh, forsake all other things to make sure that I follow Jesus rightly, correctly, fully, faithfully, so on and so forth. But Jesus has this interesting dilemma. He comes as the Son of God. He comes as the one who is promised. And truly, not only does his own, the Jews, do not receive him, but nobody else does. And in our gospel lesson, we have St. Luke, and he makes this statement. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said, Jesus said to him, man, who made me the judge and arbiter over you? And I love this, that this person recognizes who Jesus is. He's a good man, a good teacher, and he has good things to say. And as we heard with the event of Martha and Mary, when we have sibling squabbles, when we have conflict in general, and there seems to be no resolution between the two parties fighting, you need an arbiter. You need a third party, somebody who's impartial, who will not necessarily side with one side or the other. And so this person sees Jesus as the one who will do what is right which is divide the inheritance. And I, I think it's kind of neat in the sense that they give a lot of authority to Jesus just to, to throw this out. And so imagine there's a crowd and everybody's trying to vie for Jesus' attention, trying to ask him questions or, or get him to you know do something. And in my mind's eye, I just see this man shouting over everybody else, tell my brother to divide the inheritance. And Jesus acknowledges him. Jesus then addresses him. And his answer is kind of interesting. Take care to be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. 
Now, right here, covetousness. Uh, this is uh, Commandments 9 and 10. You shall not covet. And what I think is interesting about coveting is that it's one of those sins that really sneak up on you. You don't wake up one morning and say, you know what? I think I'm going to covet my neighbor's wife, husband, manservant, maidservant, house, donkey, whatever. This is something that just seems to flow out of our sinful, natural desires. And coveting is the wanton desire for something that doesn't belong to you. This is more than stealing. This is looking at your neighbor's car and saying, I want that. Not a similar car, but that very car. And so Jesus is really making this big statement that do not let your sin overwhelm you. Do not let your sin run with you. Don't let your sin rule you. Because when we let coveting rule us, then everything about our life goes to fulfill this desire, this want, this thing we think we need, and it consumes us. And then not only does it consume us, now we start serving that sin. We start feeding that sin. And you know that when you get more money, what do you want? You want more money. When you have power, what do you want? More power. When is it enough? I really actually don't know. And the same with covetingness. Once I get what I am coveting, is that really enough? No, because then I want the new thing, the next thing, the bigger thing, so on and so forth. So Jesus is laying this out very clear. Do not let your covetousness rule you. The abundance of your life is bigger than the stuff that is in your life, the stuff, the material things, the things that you have. And then he tells a story, a parable to highlight his point. And this is a pretty well-known parable. The land of a rich man produced plentifully, and he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. He said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. Now, I also want to make mention that uh, when we have the statement fool, this isn't, oh, you silly man, or a little nod, nod and wink, oh, my bad. This is a statement of you have not only missed the boat, but you are really, really wrong. You are far off. And this is a very big statement to be called a fool. And this actually harkens to our Old Testament lesson, which comes to, to us from Ecclesiastes. So we have King Solomon actually making this point also. And he says, vanity is a vanity, says the preacher King Solomon. Vanity is a vanity. All is vanity. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek to search out wisdom all that is done under heaven. 
It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and striving after the wind. We have King Solomon, uh, the richest man in the world, the most wisest man, and he indulges himself. He seeks out and searches all that might fill his life besides God and quickly points out it is all vanity. It is striving after the wind. And can you catch the wind? Can you bottle it up? No, it's not something that you can hold. And that is exactly what it is. It's useless. And now with this, I also want to be really clear. Gaining possessions, working hard, buying things, consuming things in of themselves is not wrong. Buy a house, buy a bigger house, buy a nice car, whatever, nice clothes. The thing, the point that Jesus is making is when they become your God, when they become the all-consuming important thing in your life, you have truly replaced God. We need to remember that everything we have in our lives is from God and because of God. He has given you the body, the mind to work. And this work then produces money. And you get to use this money to feed the body that was gifted to you by God. This money is to provide shelter for this body that God has gifted with with to you. If you have a wife or husband and children, then too, you have the gift of family. And what do we do with gifts? We take care of them. We work to not only provide, but we keep them. And we keep them for the benefit of what God has given and delivered to us. They all point to who God is, the giver, the provider. Out of divine providence, our Lord gives to us all the things in our lives. And in this text, both the Old Testament and the gospel lesson, Jesus is making a dire warning, and we need to take heed of this because it is easy to fall into this trap. We hear that we can't serve two masters. Either you'll love one and hate the other. You can't serve money and God. We need to take this serious. Now, you might be saying, oh, I I don't worship money. Well, you might not worship money, but what do you put your love, your trust, and your worship in and upon? And again, you're, you're probably saying to yourself, I don't worship money, but do you trust it? Do you find comfort in having it? And, you know, things like that. And again, I don't want to make money evil because you have it, but what are you trusting? And this really changes the perspective of everything that our hands touch, everything that is in our lives. Do we see see it as a gift and a tool to be utilized for the kingdom of God, for the benefit of our salvation? How does money help you in your faith? Well, again, I get to earn money to provide for my family. I get to take care of the wonderful, beautiful gift of my wife, of my daughters. And now it is a tool to ensure their care. It is a gift to continue to provide and hold and 
keep them. Now, let's say I have more money than I need for just the, the shelter, the food, the clothes, you know, so on and so forth. What else do I get to do? Well, I, I get to give to the church for the mission of the church. That way, it's not me, the individual, who then builds the kingdom, but now I get to help provide the church with the means to not only proclaim the gospel, but to do acts of kindness, programs of kindness and grace and mercy, to facilitate the needs of this world, to show forth the love of God. These are the things that we get to use our money for. And I encourage you to do some research, to look how can you best utilize your money. And it might be saving your money. And we, again, need to be careful because is it the saving like what the rich man in the parable? I have enough money. I have enough food. I have enough worldly goods. I will take care of myself. Notice that this man is all about me, I, myself. I can do it. I did it. It's me, 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 me. All his money, all his goods served him. And you hear God, fool, your soul is required of you this night. He died. Where does his stuff go to? Maybe it's the ungrateful children. Maybe it just gets consumed by the community. He has no control over where it goes. For he has died, and he has to leave his stuff to the next generation, the next family members, the next whoever. And this is a big thing that King Solomon makes uh, in the book of Ecclesiastes. My work and toil is passed to another. What good is it for me? And I think that's interesting, too, because who doesn't want to build a legacy? Who doesn't want to be remembered in posterity? But to what end? And again, what's important in your life? Now, it's real easy, especially for the pastor to say, the most important thing is Jesus. Yes, that is true. The most important thing is Jesus and his work for you, for your salvation. But again, this isn't done in a vacuum. We have a very physical life. We have very big physical needs. Uh, this week, we broke 100 degrees outside. We need shelter. We need water. We need clothing to protect us from the elements. These are earthly needs that we need to take care of. And thanks be to God, he provides the means to do this. And even those who can't work for whatever reason, the great blessing is we have so many community works. We have so many community social networks. And even our government sees the need to help provide for those who can't provide for themselves. And we should thank God for that. And we should find ways to help uh, facilitate, participate, and support those acts. Again, so it's not falling on the every single individual to do it, but we as a community take care of those in our community. And all of this, please, please hear gift. Please hear love. Please hear freedom. And also, hear some stewardship in this. All of this has been given to you to use for the benefit of God's glory within your life, within your actions, within your investments of time, money, uh, yourself, so on and so forth. And so, this parable is this amazing reminder 
of all the gifts that God has given to you. And when you do get to leave your earthly possessions, let them be a blessing to others instead of a burden where they have to go through your stuff or you think that your collection of limited whatever is going to be treasured by somebody else. All these things in life you get to use for the glory of God. You get to use it for the benefit of your neighbor. Seek and search for the benefit. How is God using your spending habits? How is God using your time habits, your volunteer habits, your whatever habits? And again, this changes the whole perspective because it's no longer about you. But how do you use what God has given to you? And therein lies this immense freedom. Now, it's kind of scary, because I don't know about you, but just saying those phrases, I'm a little bit conflicted and convicted. I'm conflicted because God has given me all this stuff, and I get to use it. And I want to use it and enjoy it and have fun. But then the realization that I make all these gifts about me, my time is mine. I want to relax. I want to kick up. I mean, after all, we hear the the rich man, relax, eat, drink, just be happy. Everything's taken care of. Well, as you know, we're not promised tomorrow. We literally only have this moment. And this moment just passes by. And we believe that there'll be a next moment, but we don't know. When is Christ coming back? I don't know. But we know he is a God who fulfills his promises, and he promises to come back, which is all the more reason to be watchful for his coming and to use his gifts, the gifts of this life and the things that are in it, for the joy of the life that awaits for us forevermore with him. And so, again, please don't hear that you have to sell all your stuff, that you can't have fun, that you can't have good things, that you can't have money. Jesus nowhere says anything like that. The warning is when we put our trust, when we put our hope, when we put our faith, when we start worshiping, making idols of the things in our lives— that is when it gets dangerous. That's when we become we become idolaters and holding on to the things of this world, the things that we have made, we give authority to. We know the one authority, Jesus, our Lord, who has come to us and has rescued us from this. We're no longer enslaved to the things of this world. We're not even enslaved to our sin, our death. We have been freed. And now we get to use the things of this world for the great and wondrous benefit of salvation, the wonderful benefit of bringing others to that hope, that security, and that freedom. So once again, I encourage you to take a look at your life, and not with woe, not with worry, but you get to ask with excitement, how do I get to use, fill in the blank, for the benefit of my faith and salvation? How does X, Y, and Z help me grow closer in trusting God? How does fill-in-the-blank help me 
live in this hope, in this certainty? How can this be used to help proclaim the gospel? So on and so forth. And really now, your imagination is what limits you. So please, consider this. Pray that the Lord will guide and open your eyes as we get to know that heaven is secure in Christ and our works here are guided, led, and fulfilled in the work of the Holy Spirit upon us in faith. And so, excitement. Go forth and serve your Lord in serving your neighbor. Well, again, this is the third week in a row that I am by myself, but I did something different. You can go to our Facebook page and you can type in the search bar, Get Right for Sunday, and you should see a video that correlates with this podcast. I'm going to start trying to utilize social media a little bit more. Would you please tell some people about this to broaden the listenership and to spread the word about what Get Right for Sunday is. It's simply a podcast to help prepare you for Sunday and beyond. Just like what we talked about in this gospel lesson, according to St. Luke, we have so much to use for this proclamation. And this gospel or this podcast is yet another tool to spread the word about who Jesus is and to talk about what the Bible is telling us so that you get to apply it to your life. So, again, please tell others, uh, whatever listening platform you use, please give a review, click the stars, do whatever you need to do. The more people that like the Get Right for Sunday podcast on whatever platform really helps others find it. So please feel free to do that. And if I can answer any questions, if you have any topics or anything that you want to uh, know about, Do not at all hesitate to send me an email. God's peace and blessings. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcast or your favorite podcast platform. This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.